Big Ten Plus Four is a member of Odd Pods Media and ASAP All Sports All Plays Network. Hello and welcome into Big Ten Plus Four. We bring you college sports with a Midwest perspective, blue collar and blue blood. I am Sam Sprunger, uh, Dalton Shetler. Uh, not in today. He's recovering or uh, recovering at work for from some th- uh, from being out a couple of days last week uh, from work. So he's got to play some catch up. So uh, he told me Friday is his day this week. Perfectly fine. Okay, we have plenty to talk about. What a uh, what a, a whirlwind of a last weekend we had for the Big Ten men and the Big Ten women's conferences in their bo- both their respective NCAA tournaments. And uh, we're going to talk about the rough goings for the men, uh, and then we'll also talk about uh, kind of a rough, uh, rough go for the women as well, uh, leading into the round of 16 for each of those tournaments. Uh, only four total Big Ten teams left playing basketball in the NCAA tournaments. So uh, we got three uh, three women's teams and one one men's team made it to the Sweet 16. So uh, I do believe that, uh, that that's half as many as, as the Big Ten had last year where Michigan and Purdue both made the Sweet 16. Uh, both were then uh, summarily dismissed from that uh, the tournament in that round. Uh, but this year, only one gets there. Uh, let's talk about how things played out, and uh, it, it's uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it's uh, probably a, a source of contention for some people, and uh, and uh, you may even think, oh, we're gonna give him the business. They're gonna, we're gonna give Sam the business. There's no way he had Purdue getting beat in the first round by by either Texas Southern or FDU. And uh, you're right. I did not. I'm not going to lie. I had, uh, I had Purdue win in the national championship. I thought they'd righted some things, and uh, I didn't take into consideration uh, game planning that uh, that that Purdue wouldn't be able to handle. And that's not to say that I didn't think that it couldn't have been close if uh, the team they were playing, which coincidentally turned into FDU. Uh, if the if that team had a, a executed its plan almost to perfection, uh, it still wouldn't be enough uh, to beat Purdue. And uh, you know, as a one seed, you never think you think that it could happen, but it won't. And uh, it was a uh, uh, I was actually at the games uh, in Columbus and uh, got to see that game firsthand and up personal, up close and personal. Uh, it, it was a great basketball game. There were a bunch of things that I took into consideration uh, outside of the basketball game that made it even more memorable and even more spectacular to me. And uh, but 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 as the game in in whole, uh, FDU had the better game plan. They executed the better game plan and. Uh, um, coach painter at the end of the, uh, at the press conference was, was pretty straightforward, you know, that said that, uh, we, we were out coached, we were outplayed, uh, the, that the better team on the court was not us tonight and it, it was FDU and, and, um, 
it was it was a difficult situation for him because yet again he's getting knocked out by a, a double digit seed that's four straight tournaments he's been knocked out by a double digit seed uh it, it, it's tough um and so you know it's it, 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 he he was he was very uh gracious in the aspect of giving uh, as much time as the press wanted and and that that shows a, a pretty good character and 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 I know I'm not trying to uh, fend off the naysayers if you don't like Matt painter you don't like Matt painter and that's okay um, I think I think if you value uh, only tournament runs then that's fine that's that's your prerogative that's that's okay you're allowed to feel that way and want your coach to have better, tournament runs and uh and and i've argued this with with not argued but but gave my side as being uh purdue has made it glaringly obvious that they want the best athletes possible but they're willing to forego the star level the star rating level with better quality people and and, and young men that that go come in and, and work hard and do it right um, don't get me wrong. You get the outlier of a Jaden Ivy, who is a five-star recruit, or uh, uh, Roosevelt Colvin's uh, son Miles is coming in next year. He's a four-star. Uh, Fletcher Lawyer was a four-star uh, coming into to Purdue. So you want those recruits. You do. You want those uh, as good a recruit as possible, but ones that will fit within your your dynamic and your culture. And uh, I've, I've got uh, some stuff from the press conferences that I was able to attend and ask coaches. Um, I asked one uh, question of, uh, of Tobin Anderson, the former coach of Fairleigh Dickinson, the team that upset Purdue in the first round, uh, accepted a job on uh, Tuesday, I believe, uh, yesterday uh, to become the next coach at Iona, which was vacated by Rick Pitino, who went to St. John's. And so he, I, I asked him about the, the, the ability to, uh, you know, stay focused, but the, he talked about culture and, and the culture of the team. I think what Purdue has done is decided that while they want the best possible, they want a winning culture. They want a hard working, hardworking culture that will produce outstanding outstanding men after they've left the program and and it's not infallible it's there's always going to be the outliers or there are going to be things that happen to where the uh, there are going to be shortcomings of some some of the athletes that come in they may make mistakes and bad choices at at times but they're not going to be uh they're going to be the style of, of player that they want, the hard worker, the, the very knowledgeable, um, the ability to be coachable, all those things. And that produces an, an overall conference and long-time overall season, better overall season, but not necessarily a tournament run. Um, I, I, I saw an analysis, and I'm not at all making an excuse for Purdue losing this game, not at all. Not at all, because you know what? They were supposed to be the better team. They were the better team on paper. They were, I mean, there's no earthly reason why that game should have ended with uh, with FDU 
winning the game. There just is no reason why it should have. And it did. And, and, and even coach Anderson even said, you know, we play that game 99 or 99 more times. Purdue beats us every time, but this was the game that we, we, we executed and everything went our way and we got the win and, and hats off to him because he was just as gracious in that victory as he was the other night after they got beat by Florida Atlantic. Uh, but, but I think coach painter, I, I saw an analysis of the tournament and, and the tournament is very, um, if you can get to the tournament and you have a better roster, you're kind of equipped to make a run. Uh, the better players tend not, not always, but tend to win tournament games. The, the, the ability to, uh, you know, pull the, pull it together and start winning at the right time. Um, so talent does play more into it compared to uh, a regular season. So it makes sense that Purdue overperform or underperforms in the tournament. And I use the air quotes for that. Um, if, if you look at it that way, I'm not, uh, again, there's no excuse for Purdue to have lost. They just, they, they shouldn't have, but at the same time it happened hats off to fairly Dickinson, uh, that, that, that team was full of life and it was an amazing feeling to be in the crowd. And at the beginning of the game, you had FDU's little cheering crowd, uh, section there, and they were relatively, you could hear them and Purdue was all around. There was about, about 40% probably of all the fans at time of that game were there to cheer on Purdue and about six to 8% sitting in that fdu section fdu didn't even have doesn't even have a pep band they had to get the university of dayton to supply their pep band to play fdu fdu's songs so that that in of itself is just an another storyline that's a really cool storyline uh to to pull off of that and you look at uh halfway through the the, the first half probably 40% Purdue, 20% for FDU. And by the half, it was about 40-40 with about 20% that just still didn't really have it in them to, to say, yeah, there's a chance. Halfway through that second half, when FDU was ha up five um, or you know back and forth, um, it was easily 60-40 in favor of FDU. Every time FDU was making a basket, boom, the crowd would explode. That phenomenon is amazing to witness in person. You can hear it when you're watching on TV. You can hear it. It's a little louder. But when, until you're in the, the, the crowd or amongst the crowd and hearing that takeover, it is a, is a fantastic uh, experience. And, and it was heartbreaking to see Purdue lose, and it really was. And uh, I, I, I asked Coach Painter, about what he tells his team after that uh let's let's go ahead and let's go ahead and listen to that audio uh courtesy of ncaa what do you tell the team after such a successful year winning the regular season right. winning the winning the tournament in the big right. 10 and then getting upset like this what right. do you tell them at the end yeah you um there's nothing you can say that's going to change it Right, I mean they're just. I mean it stinks. They outplayed us. They outcoached us. I think that's the one thing as a coach that you always face it and 
You know, you'll get ridiculed, you'll get shamed, you'll get whatever. It's, it's basketball. You know, you got to get better. You got to keep fighting to get yourself in this position and then be better. And, um, you know, that's what we have to do. But just told him that I was proud of him. You know, you win the league, you win your tournament, you fight to get in this position. We haven't been in this position as a one seed in a long time. And we get here, and then we don't take advantage of that opportunity. But um, they're good guys. They work hard. You know, it, it stings. You know, you can get a lot of different people that look at it a lot of different ways. But when you're the one that's actually playing and coaching, and you, the one, you're the one that invested that time, it's, it's really hard to take. But like I said, we're the ones that got to sit in it. We're the ones that got to hopefully be better because of it. And so coach painter was you know pretty pretty straightforward uh, like i said before you know we we've got to sit in this we we put ourselves in this position and he's right but at the same time i think i think it's very uh there 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 are good things that should be coming on the horizon from purdue uh there's still a question of whether or not zach ed returns uh he did decline to answer that at the press conference uh if he comes back you've got to look at there's probably i personally as a as a fan don't want to see it to happen see it happen but there's a good chance that there could be some some transfers out especially with uh miles colvin coming in william berg coming off red shirt that there's some good talent that's going to be coming onto the roster next year what ones are going to say i need to leave i think I don't want any of them to, but there are a few that I could see as potential ones that might think I'm going to see dwindling minutes compared to what I've had. And uh, it's better if I go start somewhere else. And uh, I, like I said, do not want to see that happen. Uh, but I, I, I think it's a possibility, especially if Zach Eady comes back. If he doesn't, then that opens up a position or a, a spot there that uh, maybe one of those ones that would be uh, potentially a transfer stays because those minutes open up. Zach E.D. eats up a lot of minutes during the game, and uh, if, if he's not there, then they need to be filled. So there are a few candidates. Uh, Kaufman Wren could be one maybe uh, because he's not going to be able to play in the position more than likely that he should be playing in. Um, he's kind of been forced to be a, a bigger uh, position player uh, on the roster but you know like i said if ed leaves then maybe that opens it up to where he wants to stay or uh you know some uh, i've seen the mention of the likes of maybe gillis or newman or even even morton might want to might want to transfer out i don't know don't want to speculate i honestly if they're going to transfer out it's what they feels best for them and that's what should be the most important move and uh, if they if they have an idea that they want to stay and see this through, then good on them. They're willing to make uh, whatever adjustment to to make the roster better. Uh, I wish every one of those young men the next uh, steps that they make are, are in the best interest of themselves and uh, making sure that uh, that they're going to be happy where they're at. If the system is there and available to them, take advantage of it because you know what. All in all, the program's going to be fine. All in all, 
you need to make sure that you're fine. So go ahead and uh, explore whatever whatever needs to be done. But uh, that's my little rant on the on the whole Purdue thing. I had a wonderful experience, even though that 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 was the highlight basically of uh, the time in Columbus. Everybody was was talking about uh, about the Purdue game, the FDU Purdue game, and and uh, so there are there are possibilities that this will stick around and Purdue could suffer from it, or they could rebound greatly and have a successful year the next year. I would be, if I was a, a, a being objective about it, I still think Purdue has a really good season next year, no matter if Edie comes back or if he doesn't, uh, I think it's a good season for them. So uh, a lot coming, coming into the program at the same time as what could stay. Uh, I think Purdue's got, got, got at least a couple, two, three good years uh, before they got a, uh, now I won't say before they got to start worrying because, you know, they're never going to s- stop trying to bring in the best players they can. So uh, let's move on from the Purdue game. Uh, a couple of teams lost in the first round, and I want to apologize about Friday's stream. I uh, was in Columbus. Uh, I, I thought I had an Ethernet connection in my hotel room. Turned out I didn't. I had a Wi-Fi, uh, low-grade Wi-Fi, I guess, that wouldn't support a stream. So I apologize about uh, about Friday's um, about Friday's games. But if you would have listened, if you were able to listen, uh, I did say that I think FDU is going to uh, shock the world and beat Purdue, um, and that uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Kidding, of course. Uh, it was. It was a rough, a rough morning because I thought it was recording fine, and by the time it hit the stream, uh, I was watching an embarrassment. So I do apologize. Um, a, a lot of it was was would be embarrassing for me to try to go back over. Uh, I did say I thought Northwestern was going to beat UCLA, and honestly, it wasn't a bad game. Uh, Northwestern getting, uh, giving the Bruins all that they could. Uh, and in here in a couple of years, that'll be a big 10 game. So uh, that's fun. They'll have that game the first time they play in big 10, big 10 uh, conference play. That will be uh, a source of, uh, do you remember the last time that UCLA and Northwestern uh, played? It was back in the 2023 NCAA tournament where the Bruins came out on top. You know, it'll be, they'll be able to relive a, a few of those, uh, a few of those highlights from that game because it was a really good game. It was a five point win for UCLA, but it always was well within about that range. It was about five points back and forth uh, between the two teams. Most of the time UCLA had the lead, but it was, there were times that it went back and forth a little bit and uh, Northwestern represented very well, got a win, excuse me, got a win in the first, first round against a really good Boise state team. Uh, but then also they, uh, they put forth a good, a good effort and a really strong effort against Northwestern or against UCLA and, uh, uh, Chris Collins, uh, we talked about this at the beginning of the year. Uh, he was on the hot seat. He was looked at as probably one that could be, uh, could be dismissed from his job by the end of the season. And, uh, he did a really fantastic job getting back, uh, second place finish in the big 10 they won a game in the first round uh they they battled a number two seed and uh they before they bowed out i think he i think he's got something to build on going back to next year 
it's a good, good, uh, a good season, a good, a good forecast or a review of them. Uh, it was a, clearly a successful season and, uh, the, something they, they can hang their hat on and, uh, and guide towards their next time, whether that be a couple years down the road, uh, maybe even next year, uh, to get back to the tournament and maybe, maybe go further or at least, you know, be, be one of those where they're a perennial, at least competitor for a, a, a big dance spot. Uh, certainly a possibility. So those are a couple uh, that I, uh, we talked about in the first quarter. Uh, we're going to talk some more, uh, men's tournament here, uh, just after this whistle here. All right. So we start the second quarter off. We're going to pick up right where we left off. We're going to go into the Midwest region where there were three Big Ten teams. Iowa got beaten the first round by, by Auburn. Uh, wasn't even as close to me as the eight points that it ended. Uh, Auburn just kind of always seemed to have that game, even though uh, there was a couple of times that I think Iowa got within a couple of points and maybe even tied it. Uh, but it just kind of felt that whatever they had going for them, they were going to uh, uh, Auburn was going to go come out on top. They just felt like felt it felt like they had enough uh, to the other one of the other the four seed, the IU Indiana Hoosiers of Bloomington. Uh, they they took on Kent State in the first round. This was a lot of people's and including myself's or myself. It was it was the trendy pick for an upset, and and I live in an area where I do see a good amount of Mac uh, basketball or Maction as they like to call it. I see, I, and and I've seen Kent State. I saw Kent State play a lot. They had a lot of high profile games where they didn't necessarily win, but they they fought hard against Houston. They 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 played well against bigger teams they were an experienced team they were well-rounded they had inside they had outside it was a lot of people's sexy pick to to uh, for an upset the 412 or the four uh 413 413 uh upset for this one it was a real popular upset pick including myself like i said and i you did did everything trace jackson davis fantastic game <clears throat> close to a triple double had high high uh totals in four categories i believe it was uh yeah, he scored in the 20s had uh, i think 12 rebounds five assists and five uh uh blocks so i mean or four block or four assists or something but he had really good totals uh, really kind of after you got into the second half, IU just had that, that wide, wide lead and was just able to keep it there and just keep riding it out. Uh, ended up, <clears throat> excuse me, ended up winning by 11. Uh, so, I mean, Kent state didn't do horribly. They just couldn't, they didn't have enough in the tank and, and, and IU was playing so very well. Uh, but, uh, then, then we go to the to Penn State's uh, game against Texas. Uh, Penn State jumping through into the second round with that game against uh, uh, Texas A and M and handily winning. Uh, I thought this could be another upset. I thought maybe Penn State had enough that they could they could pull the upset of Texas. Uh, it looked good for a really good portion of the game, uh, but the Longhorns pulled it out at the end with a five point win there. Uh, 71 66 so 
the Lions go home after their round of 32 exit against the Longhorns. Uh, really good, really good season uh, for Penn State. Micah Shrewsbury in his second year at Penn State did a really phenomenal job with his team. Uh, next year might be a tougher year because they're losing a lot. Uh, but I think, I think having seen the way uh, Coach Shrewsbury worked there, I think, uh, I think they're in some good, uh, good. Uh, they're in some good years ahead of them. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I, I forgot to talk about uh, IU's second round. Uh, they went against the five seeded Miami Hurricanes and. Uh, it didn't. It didn't turn out very well. It was. It was a, a sixteen point loss for the Hoosiers. Uh, Miami just kind of always seemed to have it about about, mm, about halfway, uh, about about maybe about fourteen minutes left. Uh, it was. It was a close game, and Miami went on a little run and kind of ballooned it out, and just kind of was able to just keep it going. Uh, ended up winning, winning going away, as they say, eighty five sixty nine over the Hoosiers, ending. Um, ending IU's season after one win in the Midwest region. So that takes it to everybody, but I didn't talk about Maryland's game against Alabama. And honestly, um, 73-51, that's about all I've got. Uh, it's not It's not on at College Park, so it's not a surprise that Maryland maybe didn't have enough in the tank after a really hard-fought win against West Virginia in the first round on, on, on Thursday. Uh, they just didn't have enough in the tank to compete with Alabama. Alabama and Houston, probably your two best teams, even with Marcus Sasser, uh, fighting a little bit of a groin injury that might nag him around, nag around a little bit. Uh, but I think Houston's got a really good roster on top of that. And so uh, not not much to say. I, I think Kevin Willard has a lot going on at College Park. If he, they can just bottle what they can do at home and take it with them on the road, uh, I think uh, I think Maryland's going to have some, some really good seasons uh, coming ahead of them here in the near very near future. And that takes us to the last team, the one that actually – advanced all the way into the sweet 16 uh the michigan state spartans and uh we we haven't had a show since they played or or since they started playing in the tournament uh they were the first game that we got to see in uh in columbus they were the early game uh what a game them and and usc the trojans came in into columbus back and forth game uh michigan state just just finally wore them down and uh the i had a question for coach Izzo after the game uh, about some of his less uh consistent teams and and i think his his response was an absolute an absolute gem so courtesy of the ncaa let's go ahead and listen to his response i want to kind of go off of what you just said some You've taken some of your inconsistent teams on longer runs in tournaments in your in your career. Is it the winner go home concept in in your mind that kind of forces them into the being coming more consistent in the tournament? You know, I, I I like to say I hope not because that means I'm not doing my job all the time. You know, and my job is to get them ready each and every game. But I I do think that. Um, 
we talk a lot about tournaments. You know, we talk a lot about the Thanksgiving tournament or the Big Ten or the Big Ten tournament. Anytime you get a chance to, to win games where if you lose, you go home, I think you've got to lose, you're not going to finish first. I think we do talk about that a lot at our place. And uh, it doesn't always hit home, but sooner or later, uh, you know, I thought yesterday we, we guarded a lot better. You know, we had one bad stretch. Other than that, I thought we did an unbelievable job against a very good offensive team. So we guarded better and we, uh, we maintained some things, you know, and uh, we gave up the lead. We came back at the end when we couldn't make a free throw. And I got, I think, the best free throw shooting team in the league. Um, there wasn't a panic. Uh, I think we're growing. I, I, you know, I'll be honest with you, I thought AJ played really well. And, uh, you know, and even on the bench, because he had to sit a while with the fouls, you know, it, um, you know, when you got a team that's fun to coach, and it's fun to coach when you can coach them. And so I, I've said this. I mean, some of it's my fault, you know, that I feel like all the things that are going on in the world that you, you don't, at the end of the day, as I said earlier this week, and I'll say it a hundred times, you can do all the different things you can do. You can talk about kids have changed. You can talk about, you know, you can do things different ways. See, somebody didn't done the listen reminder, to huh? you. See, I, that means yep. that Lesson learned. that guy listens to me <laughs> like my players. Right. Yesterday when you did it, so maybe you should Who knew? give the pregame speech. I figured speech. after 25 times I had it. No, I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> one of the good guys. Um, you know, I, I just think that you still got to – hold people accountable and uh, you got to find the right way to do it. And right now, I got a lot more eyes looking at me than raising them. And uh, that's a good sign. So hopefully uh, we'll keep playing well. And that was after, uh, that was on Saturday. That was the day between the, the game against USC and the game against Marquette. And, and he talked about like the, some of his best teams are ones that he does not have to coach. And I don't think that means he doesn't, He's not there. He's not directing. But if something happens to where, uh, you know, the, they know they're doing it wrong, they self-coach themselves. They'll talk to one another and say, hey, we need to get that in, into line. So I think that it's and, – and, and that he – they do preach the winner go home or winner not get first is like he, like he called it uh, with the turn, all the tournaments but the NCAA tournament. They're all win, but don't uh, win or don't get first place. And it's that lose and be done feeling, excuse me, feeling. So I think that they've ingrained that enough into their culture and play enough of those tournament style games that even if they're not winning those, they know the situation, they know what to be or how it feels to be in that, hey, if we don't win this, we don't get what our goal is. They always go into a tournament wanting to win the tournament. Well, if they don't win, they don't get that. So they they get in those situations, and while they may fail that time, when they get into the tournament that at the end of the day matters to them, they've got they've been in those situations. They know what what situation what that situation feels like, or at least what it's it's semblant it it, it resembles what it like what they've been through so they 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 played an amazingly strong game at times 
against Marquette. There were times that that they looked a little disheveled. They looked like, okay, they were just kind of passing it around the arc and dribbling around and trying to get a route. No, it didn't look like they were running a set play. And and you know what? The, I'm sure every team gets that way. I've watched enough basketball that that it is apparent that the, every team gets that way in a game at some point or another. It's whether or not they can weather that storm and get into a purposeful, a purposely run uh, offense to start producing points. And Michigan State put themselves yet again in position to where they were making the plays, they were causing mistakes on and disrupting. Uh, the the opponent's offense on, while they were on defense. It just was a, a, a typical Michigan State in March game. And now they get to go to Madison Square Garden and face off against Kansas State. And Kansas State, great team. Marquette's a great team. USC was a really good, solid, fundamentally solid, good scoring team. And Michigan State put a stop to them held them to 62 they held marquette a number two seed in the east to 60 points and now they go into uh the the sweet 16 in the regional rounds as a seven seed but i've heard more teams or more people saying michigan state is the team to beat out of that region now well you got to think you got uh, nine seeded florida atlantic playing fourth seeded Tennessee and then seventh seeded Michigan State playing third seeded Kansas State there are three unproven teams in Michigan State so uh, you know I oh you always get into that situation where I've said you know what don't take the coaching out of it now I know I just got done saying when I was talking about Purdue that when it gets into a tournament style like the NCAA the Jimmies and Joes are going to beat the fundamentals hardworking more times than not but when you've got the fundamental and hardworking coach coaching some of the better players that puts those those guys at a higher higher level in my thought so i wouldn't be surprised to see michigan state come out of this at all um not at all in that region and before we can go to the to the break and then get over into the to the women's tournament. Um, I was able to to ask a couple of questions uh, to the teams teams coaches that were involved in the uh, the first bracket where FDU upset Purdue. Uh, Coach Tobin Anderson, grateful grateful and gracious in in the winners in the winners press conference. Uh, but after they got beat. Uh, he came back and was just as gracious uh, in the loss. I was able to ask him about uh, kind of the uh, the time in between their win against Purdue and their game against Florida Atlantic. So let's go ahead and listen to what he had to say. You talked about wanting your entire team to enjoy every single aspect of this, but knowing that you had a job to do, was there at any point that you had to wrangle him, wrangle him in and focus him, or were they there? We talked the other day about the philosophy of 20, 22 and 2. We break the day, the day down to 24 hours. You know, 22 hours of the day is not – basketball is not the most important thing. Basketball takes a, a backseat to school, to family, to friends, to social time. But for two hours a day, basketball becomes the most important thing. So that was our 
that was our culture. They were talking, and Meech talked about culture. Like, culture's hard. Like, we had to come to the program. The culture's being on time. Culture's doing the right thing. Culture's treating people the right way, saying please and thank you. Culture is um, um, all the little things, right? So we talked about 22 and 2 the first day I got the job. I handed it to him. This is how we're going to live. We're going to live by this 22 and 2. So we didn't change just because he won. So we kind of said, hey, these two hours when it's just basketball, let's concentrate on Florida Atlantic. Let's concentrate on the preparation. But when you go away, when we're, we're not meeting for film or not practicing, go do what you do, which I guess is make TikToks. I mean, there's a lot of TikToks out there, so I guess that's what they do. But um, yeah, so that's, if that's your culture, right? If you, if you lean back on your culture, on the good and the bad days, things end up being pretty good. So, you know, you lose a game, it's still your culture. You win a game, it's still your culture. So we didn't change from our culture at all. Um, and I, that's credit to those guys, you know. So that was uh, Coach Tobin, Tobin Anderson. And uh, what a great answer. You know, from day one when he uh, was introduced as the FDU coach, he went in and, and brought this culture in and said, look, this is what we're going to live by. You give me two hours, and then after that, uh, don't make basketball the priority. If you have something else going on, please do it. Excuse me. And that's a way to compartmentalize. And, and you, you heard Coach Izzo a little bit before that uh, during his thing that you, you, know, you can't sit there and complain about kids, how they've changed and how they've changed and how they need to you know, take notice. I think Coach Tobin kind of maybe took that and said, yes, kids are changing. Okay, you know what? If we give them a set amount of time, they need to concentrate on what we're here to do. We can give them the rest of the time. When you're with us, when we're doing basketball, it is basketball. Then after that, you know what? Go do what you do. That's a culture saying, please saying, thank you. The, you know, getting that set into a program when it doesn't have anything to do with basketball that's a culture change that you you should be behind because it's producing young men that are going to be better people when they're done in the system they'll have that ingrained is that's how you treat people out you know people in general they're going to be solid human beings and coach tobin really really took that to a level uh that that you could see in the players and in the in the post-game press conferences very polite young men very thoughtful with their answers uh you know not not being disrespectful um you could tell this is part of their basketball this is part of their two hours we got to give it to them this is ours you know and very respectful he's going to take some some, um, i'm going to assume take all of this this work that he had done and and scenic succeed and take it to iona which is a step up from fdu and really start to fine-tune it and make it better and then uh, maybe he wins wins some games and some big games and 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 works his way up i think before too long you'll see tobin anderson coaching at a pretty large uh program and doing the same style of of 22 and 2 to where you know, when we've got you for these two hours, it's the task at hand. After that, you go be you, you go be a kid, you go be, but you be a respectful one representing the program. And uh, that I think that's a, a beautiful way uh, to, to run a program uh, in today's age. Uh, it, it's difficult to try to get, uh, get kids to 
to buy in. And, and I think uh, Coach Tobin has a, uh, a pretty good handle on, on how to do that successfully, at least at a certain level. And I think it can get, I can't, I think it could be successful at a, at a very high level as well. Uh, I was able to ask uh, Coach Dusty May uh, from Florida Atlantic uh, after their win against FDU a question that was uh, it was a little bit in the odd range uh but uh uh it's it's about it's about the crowd involvement in his game against fdu so go ahead and uh go ahead and listen to this is an odd question maybe but did you ever think at any point in columbus ohio you would be booed at the team <laughs> by the team or against the team that you were playing thinking maybe you would be the Cinderella that everybody was backing up, but tonight you were the ones being booed. That's a great question. We, we never felt like we were a Cinderella team. We, our league was tough this year. Uh, we went into an SEC school and, and won and, and have been in some very tough environments. So we never felt like we were a Cinderella story because of our record, because of the players in that locker room. Uh, but yeah, we, we did feel like we'd be able to get the common fan or the extras on our side uh, if we did play Purdue. But obviously when you're playing FDU and they're on the, the run that they're on, uh, they're easy to root for, especially the way they're playing. So that was Coach Dusty May from Florida Atlantic. A really good answer uh, that they didn't feel like that they were an, uh, a Cinderella. And I guess what he, the way he qualified his answer, I think really brought in what I was asking. Uh, it wasn't necessarily the Cinderella of whether or not they thought they were Cinderella, but I, that was exactly what I was getting at was, you know, bringing in the common fan. The common fan would normally be cheering for Florida Atlantic. And every time... Uh, the jumbotron at, at timeouts would show somebody in Florida Atlantic uh, stuff, or the players on the bench, or whatever. You would hear booing, and it was loud booing, and and so it was really a, a phenomenon that the gentleman and and I noticed in the in the uh, press area was. I'm almost certain they would have never thought they were going to be booed here, and so uh, it was. It was good to get that that perspective because even even in the huddle you can hear that or you recognize it and and maybe it was the first that that they'd actually he'd actually thought about it uh, which got the laugh response from him but but that that was kind of what I was getting at was it's it's almost comical because you would have never thought that that was what was going to be what would happen uh, as a Florida Atlantic team going into Columbus as a nine seed that they would ever be the team being booed uh, during a game that they were playing. And it just, it, it worked out that way. So um, extremely long on the first half, uh, we're going to skip right straight into the last quarter. I, I, I'm not even going to put a, a quarter number on it. We're going to talk about the women's tournament here. Uh, on the other side of the break. So let's go to the half. You are listening to Big Ten Plus Four, hosted on Anchor and StreamYard. Hi, I'm Sam. I'm Richie. I'm Little Matt. And here in the 500 Section Lounge, we are three dads who host a family-friendly weekly podcast. Yep, we laugh, we go on tangents, and we talk to great guests. Tangents? I, I don't know what you're talking about with that. You know, there are gases leaking. Uh, all right. All right. Okay. Yeah. We have legendary conversations from sports to history and everything in between. So be on the lookout for what we do next. And always be there to grab, grab a listen. listen.
This is Beer in Front. Every week I'll talk about a beer that maybe we've forgotten along the way while we get those check-ins and badges. Being the Chicago beer guy, I'll also talk about great craft beer in the city of Chicago. And remember, sometimes the beer in front of you is the best one yet. It's Beer in Front, part of the Odd Pods Media Network. All right, we move in uh, to the to the final quarter uh, of the show today, and we're going to go look at the women's bracket. And uh, well, it's it's tough because there are three times as many teams in the Sweet Sixteen as uh the on the women's side as there are the men's but that only means there are three there should have been a few more in some people's eyes uh but uh the 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 three remaining are iowa they're the two seed uh in the stanford region now the highest remaining seed in that in that region after the uh the lady cardinal get knocked off uh in the second round by Ole miss they are going to take on colorado uh, on Friday, they will be, uh, I believe it's green or they're in Seattle. So the, the Seattle, I don't know, Seattle four uh, is their region and, uh, they'll take on the, the lady Buffaloes there on Friday night. And, uh, the, if they win, they'll play the winner of Ole Miss and Louisville, the eight and five seeds. So the eight miss eight, uh, seated Ole Miss and five seated, uh, Louisville will play. Um, Ohio State is on the other side of the uh, the bracket in the oh well I wish I, they would tell me um, they're in one of the brackets. <laughs> oh, why isn't it loading? No, the, but they they get to take on. It's still not showing up. They get to take on the number two seeded uh, UConn Huskies. It's going to be a tall order for Ohio State, but you know what? J.C. Sheldon, uh, Cody McMahon. Uh, and the supporting cast there from with with the ladies from Columbus there they're well equipped to to give a run to UConn and and I'm not saying that they absolutely will but I think they could they could beat the Huskies and they would play either Virginia Tech or the four seeded Tennessee Volunteers and uh, the 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 path to the Final Four is a very very possible for. Uh, for Ohio State, they they they've got a one-two punch that that appears to be doing well and 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 getting and getting better. Um, Ohio State's in the Seattle three uh, bracket, just in case you were wondering. Um, but uh, they they could upset they could upset uh, UConn. They could go in and if they played Virginia Tech, they could upset Virginia Tech. Um, and they could beat Tennessee. They could beat any of the three teams um, that they will play in Seattle to get to the Final Four. They could beat any of those. They could beat UConn and then either the other two, Virginia Tech or Tennessee. Those are, are distinct possibilities. So we go to the other uh, the other half of the bracket, and uh, the last one, the only one left, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the number two seeded Maryland Terrapins. They're in the Greenville. Uh, Greenville won bracket. Uh, the winner of that game against Notre Dame and Maryland uh, will play the winner of South Carolina and UCLA. And uh, 
I'm not going to lie. I wholeheartedly expect it to be South Carolina that comes out of that. Um, Maryland, really good. We've been talking about how good Maryland could be. And uh, they, they, and I even talked to Dalton that, that if there was a two seed that could beat South Carolina, I felt it could be Maryland. That's over, that's over Iowa because of what Maryland was able to do to Iowa and then played extremely tough on a neutral court as well and uh, could have won that ball game against Iowa in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, just came on the on the short side of it, but uh, they compete very well. They're very they're very long and athletic. Uh, Diamond Miller, a phenomenal basketball player, one that could pace the way along with the supporting uh, supporting cast that could at least get Maryland to the Elite Eight. And like I said, if there were a two seed that could beat uh, uh, South Carolina, um, it's not necessarily UConn because I I heard an interesting. Uh, thing uh, the other day the the last teams that they've lost to um, if they played them a second time in that same season they had a very high win percentage against the, uh, that team in the second uh, in the second matchup and teams that they played a second time if they struggled the first time they beat them considerably by more points the second time they played them so uh, that doesn't necessarily bode well for a rematch when if if it were to come uh, against Yukon for the Huskies that a second seeing a team a second time allows you to make adjustments to what they're willing and able to do for you, against you so if you can get the element of surprise and that's why a tournament is such a uh, a volatile and potential it, that's why it's so so amazing it's win and go home or lose and go home so like it, it, even if you just have a bad day and the other team has a great day if you end up losing that game there is no tomorrow whereas if you had a a a series of three or whatever um more than likely the better team's gonna win two out of those three uh, it's not always the case. Sometimes that one one win for the lower seeded team really deflates the the favorited team, and they they aren't about uh, able to respond. Or the matchups just always seem to be in that team's favor that was the lower seed. But uh, more than likely, the higher seeded team is going to win a, a, a best of three or more. Uh, it's just a way of things settle out and then all of a sudden the 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 talent and and your overall production for a year comes out in a long series so uh that's not to say i think maryland will beat south carolina because south carolina um 72 to 40 over norfolk state 76 45 over south florida uh they're they're playing very good basketball they're well on their way to being undefeated a second year or for this year, uh, but it, it's not an impossibility. So uh, Saturday at two, they'll take on UC, UCLA. Uh, but uh, Saturday at eleven thirty a.m., Maryland and Notre Dame take on one another, and I think that's going to be a fantastic game. I love the, the Irish. Uh, they've had some injuries that could pull away from them a little bit, uh, but uh, but still a very strong matchup uh, for the for the Lady Terps. So where if they can come out of that. Uh, they might be able to uh, to use that as kind of a springboard against South Carolina and maybe maybe get that quick punch in early 
and and get get the Gamecocks reeling a little bit and maybe see what you can do about uh, uh, you know keeping the favorites at bay, keeping them at arm's length, kind of like what FDU did to Purdue on the men's side where they just hung around, hung around, hung around. And at that time where they could have easily given in, they kicked it into a different gear and got another punch in and was able to take down, take them down. Uh, Maryland could do the same. Uh, and, it, and it's in really a, a, a fun thing to think that a number two seed would need to do that. But it's very similar in the aspect of how much of a favorite uh, South Carolina is. So it's, it's uh, the next weekend. It's going to be an interesting time because by the time we come back on Friday, we'll have half the Sweet 16 on the men's side done and none of the women's side to do are done yet. Um, so we could we could be seeing a, a pretty productive weekend for Big Ten teams, uh, even if it's maybe not uh, final four totals. I know we didn't talk about uh, IU getting upset, um, but at the same time, uh, great seasons for each of these teams any of these teams uh even though uh you didn't necessarily make it to the sweet 16 if you made it to the tournament that's that's an accomplishment that means you're one of the 68 best teams and there are 300 plus teams uh playing division one basketball on both sides of the basketball men's and women's and and to be one of the top 68 that's a big feat but at the same time if you're able to get some wins in or at least uh uh have a good showing uh that helps that helps the programs in the long run as well. So uh, for those teams that are out of the tournament, better luck next year. Uh, the, keep working hard. Uh, it's always nice to see the conference do well, uh, even though I do have a rooting interest. You still want to see the conference uh, do as well as possible. And uh, I know I've made the statement that, uh, you know, once Purdue's out, I kind of stop worrying about what the conference does. And that's still kind of the same, the same thing that i'm dealing with right now but uh, uh i am paying attention i do hope that uh, uh all the teams on the ladies side excuse me sides uh ohio state iowa and maryland all put forth uh, a respectable foot in their next games and uh best of luck to michigan state hopefully they are able to uh come out of that and maybe maybe at least get to the final four and uh, give the conference a little representation so we can talk into into the end of the tournament about the conference in specifics rather than just saying what could have been. So uh, that's it for today. Let's uh, give you a quick rundown of all the uh, finding us on social medias and uh, where you can find uh, the show uh, to find us on social media for TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. We are at big 10 plus four. Uh, you have to spell out the plus on Facebook. You can just, uh, I use the joke of, you can just think about, uh, the plus sign and it will put it in for you, but, uh, it doesn't matter if you spell it out or put the plus sign there. We are on odd pods media for all of our audio. We are the only sports show on odd pods media makes us a little, little extra special, uh, when it comes to that, but, uh, a great family of shows there. Go ahead and check them out. Uh, oddpodsmedia.com we are streamed twice a week on asap network we we are lucky to have uh, a couple of slots wednesdays at 5 p.m eastern and then friday mornings at 9 a.m eastern uh we we stream normally uh, at least one day a week uh, i have dalton shetler so he will be in on this friday uh coming and then if you uh miss the stream 
uh, ASAP has a, has a, uh, a mobile app that you can go to the Google Play Store, the Apple equivalent, uh, to download the ASAP Network app. And you can watch some past streamed shows. Um, right now, we don't have the uh, the live TV feed that we're uh, that we have. Uh, you can go to Roku, Apple, uh, Amazon, all of those. Download the ASAP Network app and uh, be able to watch all the live streaming uh, from that. But the, hopefully, the mobile app itself will have the live stream uh, television show as, or television stream as well. If you don't want to, you don't want to download an app and you've got Spotify already, go find us on Spotify. You can watch the stream, uh, the video stream there, or listen to it audio wise there and anywhere else you find podcasts, you can find the audio version through, uh, just by searching our name. So thank you so much for coming in. I, I know, uh, I rambled maybe a little bit about the Purdue, but I Purdue part, but, uh, I do believe that as I, as, as objectively as possible, uh, I can look at, at Purdue's next coming couple of years and say that I think that they're going to still be a very strong presence in the conference, uh, if not uh, favorites to win con- the conference. It's just a matter of uh, how much they're going to take this loss and, and put it towards Uh, the preparation for the next year. So uh, I am Sam Sprunger for Dalton Shetler, who will be in on Friday, Tony Hollinsworth, who uh, we're still working, still working to get him around and see if it's, uh, if, if we're going to be able to, if he's going to be able to stay on the, on the show. But uh, for now, Tony uh, Hollinsworth as well. Uh, Again, I'm Sam Sprunger and thank you so much for coming in today and uh, we'll see you later.